Well, good morning. We are grateful for the good crowd this morning. We're grateful for your attendance. We've got several visitors in our midst, including those, as we mentioned, that we've not seen in a while. We're thankful for this beautiful day and for the opportunity to worship God together. We'll do our best to, to keep everybody's uh, attention. I know many of you are out late watching fireworks and uh, up late as our family was. I know we got some campers here uh, who were camping last week or at Bible camp last week, and sometimes those are, are hard weeks to get through, but we're grateful that you have chosen to be here this morning, and, and we look forward to studying together. Uh, sometimes as we begin our lesson, we have a few housekeeping matters, and if I could touch on a few things before we get into the lesson. The number one, uh, we're excited about our ladies' Bible class starting back, as was mentioned, the second Tuesday of the month starting in July. We're going to have our men's Bible class. We've continued having it some online using Zoom, but we're going to try to be here at the building from now on, and we plan to have one tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. And as always, if you have any questions about that, you can see uh, Brian Sorello, who usually heads that up for us, but our men's Bible study beginning again this month as well. And if I could just make one more push for our Vacation Bible School and specifically for the meeting that we're going to have here in just a few moments at the conclusion of our services, uh, we'll do our best to keep it short, as short as possible. Uh, don't worry, our kids are hungry too, certainly after the lesson and everything's over with, so we want everybody to be able to get to lunch. Um, but we'll keep it short, but we hope that you can plan to stay and get some information, and we hope that everyone can be available to help. And if you can't stay, that's all right. Don't worry, we'll hunt you down and make sure that we get you signed up for something, at least today or in the near future. Um, if you've not noticed from the announcement about Vacation Bible School, our intention is to try to make a day of it. I know this is a little odd, it's a little different, but we know of some other congregations that kind of we borrow, are borrowing the idea from who will do a, either a Saturday and a Sunday or a Sunday afternoon, and it may be a little different than we're typically used to, but as things have continued to change, and certainly as we have had to make uh, different arrangements this year, we hope that you can plan to be a part of it. It may be one of those things that if you sign up to help, just make a day of it. We'll maybe get some pizza, we'll have lunch here at the building, and then we'll begin again at 1.30. Uh, we hope to have classes of all ages, certainly up to teenage and probably even an adult class in here because, as we mentioned, it'll just kind of take up our, our whole afternoon and we'll count that as part of our evening services. And even though it's a little different, we hope that you can be a part of it. Just block off that day. Just make it a whole day for the Saudi church, for the work that we do here, for our kids, for the vacation Bible school that we plan to have, and we will continue to let you know more information as things are nailed down. When we think about the Word of God, we think about the fact that, that God has always had laws, and He always will. Now, sometimes we don't appreciate the word laws. Sometimes we do. We appreciate our law enforcement and those who enforce the laws. But sometimes, especially if we run afoul of one of the laws, we don't necessarily like the idea of that. I don't know that it's the best word sometimes to use. It's certainly a biblical word. But God has always had laws, and He always will. In Ezra chapter 7, in verse number 10, we see the Bible say, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. It's quite a, a plan there. It's quite a great idea that we would seek God's laws, that we would do them, but then certainly even in New Testament teaching, that we wouldn't just stop with doing them ourselves, but that we would teach them to others as well. You know, obeying God and God's laws has always or does, will always equal eternal life. Hebrews chapter 5 verses 8 and 9, the Hebrew writer says, Though he was a son, speaking of Jesus, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. 
And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. God, obeying God has always equaled eternal life. On the other hand, disobeying God has always equaled eternal punishment. We think about 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 in verses 8 and 9. Paul would write here, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse number 8. If obeying God has always equaled eternal salvation, disobeying God has always and will always equal eternal punishment. So it's helpful for us then that we understand God's laws and that they help both us and others. They help us serve others as well. This morning we want to take a, a lesson. It's an outline that, that I'm borrowing from, from someone who borrowed it from the, the preacher training school they were at. It, it's going to answer an interesting question that you may have had or that people that you know may have. And when I heard the lesson that's heard the, about the outline, I thought it's, it's too perfect, it's too easy for us not to consider together because it makes good sense when we think about God's laws in particular in two ways this morning. Two ways, and then we'll make application. Number one, we see that God has moral laws. Well, what do we mean by that when we say that God has moral laws? We would say, first of all, these are right in and of themselves. God's moral laws are right in and of themselves. We might also say that, that moral laws have a bit of a cause and effect relationship. A cause and effect relationship. And we might even take it a step further and say that they just simply make good sense. But what are we talking about? Let me give you a couple of examples. What do we mean when we're saying that God has moral laws that are just right and that just make good sense? Well, we know, first of all, that the Bible says, and specifically in the Ten Commandments, that thou shalt not kill. Literally, it says thou shalt do no murder. And if you think about it, to not murder someone or to not kill just makes good sense because you want to live yourself. You don't take someone's life because you wouldn't want someone to take your life or, or the life of someone that you love. And so in a, in a way, it just makes good sense to follow or to practice, thou shalt not kill or to do no murder. Let's go a little further. What about the idea of thou shalt not steal? You know, the idea of stealing is, is something that's certainly in the Bible that, that a person shouldn't do that. It's across all three dispensations, the patriarchal dispensation, the mosaical dispensation, and in the Christian dispensation, it very plainly says, do not steal. But let's think about it for just a minute in regards to the idea of God's moral laws that make good sense. If I don't want you to steal from me, then I shouldn't steal from you. So to say, do not steal makes good sense because you don't want others to steal from you. It's a cause and effect kind of thing. And there's others. We could go on a little further this morning. But very simply, those two illustrate our point that God sometimes has moral laws. They are helpful to us. When we really think about them, it makes good sense. They have a cause and effect. But that's just one type. The second type that we would consider this morning is that, that God also has arbitrary laws. He also has arbitrary laws. These are sometimes called positive or divine laws. Now, as you think about the word arbitrary, that, that sounds a little harsh. Maybe that's not the best way to say it, but I think it's a pretty good way, and, and hopefully you'll see what I mean as we get into the rest of the lesson. 
So it's a little different sounding than positive laws or divine laws, but God also has arbitrary laws. In connection with what we just said, these have no cause and effect relationship between them. Do not murder. I don't want you to murder me. I won't murder you. Cause and effect. God's arbitrary laws don't exactly work that way. In fact, these laws are right simply because God said so. Now, all the parents in the audience ought to be giving amens here, correct? Because this is the way that we work with our children sometimes. But think about this. Let me, let me illustrate a little further and think about our parents and our children for just a moment. If you tell your children to go set the table, that is a law, we might say. But we might also say there's a bit of a cause and effect law because the child may go set the table because they're hungry and they know that setting the table means that food is coming. And so there's a bit of a, a good sense there. There's a bit of a cause and effect. And so they're willing to do that because they're hungry and they want to eat. On the other hand, some of us, when your parents say, go make your bed, might say, well, why? That doesn't make any sense to me. I'm just going to go get back in it in a few hours. It's not like I've ever said this before to my parents, by the way. Uh, but it doesn't make sense. Why would I make my bed? I'm, I'm just going to get in it. That, I shouldn't have to do that. Well, because I said so. That's why you should make your bed. Because that's what we're going to do in this family. Because I said so. God has arbitrary laws sometimes as well. And they're simply because God said so. And for all of these reasons, these arbitrary laws are, we might say, a test of faith. God's arbitrary laws are a test of faith. You see, we've already covered the two types of laws, but we're going to begin to make application here and think about God's arbitrary laws and us for just a few moments. And we might say, first of all, that these laws are there because they are a test of our faith. Once again, what do you mean, preacher? How can you explain that? Well, let's look at a couple of Old Testament examples and then one New Testament example as well. The two Old Testament examples, we've actually already covered these lately as we talked about various things and various topics. Number one, what about Joshua chapter 6 and the conquest of Jericho? God's arbitrary laws are a test of faith. Do you recall the walls of Jericho? Do you recall in Joshua chapter 6 what it took to knock those walls down? You remember the walking around. You remember how often they were supposed to do it. And I'll ask you this. Do you think anybody had a question at any point along the lines after they were told what to do of whether or not that would have worked? We talked about this recently in a sermon where we said there is nothing there is absolutely nothing in walking around a fortified city that would cause us, cause and effect, to think that that would knock the walls down. Do you think that anybody, anybody at all along the way ever wanted to raise their hand and say, Joshua, I'm just not sure this is going to work. You know, I think we would be better suited if we took our time, instead of marching around the walls, that we would take time to build some more arrows, that we would make some more spears, that we would find a way to defeat the people or make ram, battering rams that we could knock the walls down. I think we would be better suited to make a plan of actually attacking the city as opposed to walking around in circles all day. Now, if you're like me, I probably would have been the one to wanted to raise my hand and say, I don't think this is going to work. But what happened? They did exactly what God said 
And as we sing sometimes, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. What about 2 Kings chapter 5? Do you remember in 2 Kings chapter 5 with the story of the healing of Naaman? Again, we talked about this. I think it may have been our lesson on grace and faith and works. But do you remember that when Naaman was told what to do, or when he was thinking about what he was going to do, he had a question as well. In 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 11 is actually the place where we see ourselves in Naaman because what does he say? And really it's if you have a King James version in 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse number 11. But Naaman, when he's told what to do, becomes furious. And in the King James, the Bible says that Naaman says, Behold, I thought. Here's the way I thought it should go. Here's what I thought we should do. In the same way that somebody might have said, um, Hey, Joshua, I don't think this, this is going to work. Naaman is essentially raising his hand and saying, Why? This is not the way it should be done. I don't know anyone who has been healed by dipping into the river seven times. And not just any river, but the very specific river that he was given. This does not make good medical sense. But what happened when he obeyed? What happened when he did exactly what God told him to do? When he obeyed God's arbitrary laws? Well, he was healed. Let's go to the New Testament for just a minute. Because there are other examples as well. What about the Lord's Supper? In Matthew chapter 26, in verses 26 through 29, being one of the places in which it is discussed. Matthew 26, verses 26 through 29. We appreciate so much those who partake in our worship service and, and Gabe's thoughts as he led our minds in thinking about those things and those occasions and gave us the references that we could think about. Do you think if Jesus had taken a poll? Let's go back to Matthew 26. And everybody's sitting around. And what if Jesus had simply said, you know, let's take a poll. I want you guys to remember me, to remember this. Let's take a poll. What do you think we should do? And somebody said, well, you know, I think that we should put crosses up everywhere. We should put them at every intersection. One day there may be uh, road signs. We should put them up on every road sign. And every time somebody goes past them, they'll think of you. Somebody else raised their hand and they said, well, you know... <clears throat> I think that we should build temples and we should go to those temples once a month. And then somebody else said, well, you know, once a month, that would become, that'd become too often. That might become a little mundane. We shouldn't do it once a month. Let's do it once a year. And of course, the point of all of those ideas would be that Jesus were taking a poll and people are saying, here's what I think. Here's what I think. You know what if somebody else said, you know, uh, the fruit of the vine, sometimes grapes, they may be a little hard to come by. Unleavened bread, it's a little different. What, what if we just use our regular bread? You know, I heard some people say, what, what if we just use hamburgers? You know, what if we just use meat of some sort? What if we just use water? Here, here's what I think that we should do. But Jesus said very simply that a person should partake, as we talk, talked about just a moment ago, every first day of the week of the bread and the fruit of the vine. And this is how often you should do it. And this is the way that you should do it. And when we think about it, God's arbitrary laws test our faith. This is one example in which we can say all day long, here's what I think that we should do. But we have been told what we should do. And we begin to notice that God's laws, arbitrary laws, or positive laws, test our faith. If you have your Bible, look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 for just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse number 23. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 1, verse 23. 
Paul writing here says, But we preach Christ to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ became the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God, and don't get me wrong, don't get Paul wrong, God's not foolish. But let's just say for argument's sake that he was. Even if he was foolish, the foolishness of God would still be wiser than men. And the weakness of God, don't get it confused, don't get mistaken, God is not weak. But again, if we for the sake of argument said God was weak, the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has cho chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God's arbitrary laws test our faith. And they must be obeyed simply because God said so. To the Jews, these things are a stumbling block. To the Greeks, they're foolishness. But God had a plan. He instituted that plan. He has given us our instructions, our laws. And so we know exactly what we should do. And when we think about God's laws, whether they make good sense to us or not, we should be obedient. And the question that sometimes comes to mind is we think about God's arbitrary laws and us. I told you that this may answer a question that you have had or that someone else that you have studied with may have. And this is the question. Why do many people fail to obey the gospel plan of salvation completely? We talked about this, I guess it was last Sunday night. Why do some people say that you need to believe and that's it? Or you need to believe and pray and that's it. Some people would even say that you need to repent. That you need to repent. But you don't have to be baptized. Why is it that so many people, and maybe even people you know, and maybe even you at one point in your life, have failed to obey the gospel plan of salvation completely? <clears throat> and that's because when we think about the fact that there is no true faith in God without obeying an arbitrary command. The idea that faith only, the faith only concept, really isn't faith at all. Why do many people fail to obey the gospel plan of salvation completely? Because there is no true faith in God without obeying arbitrary command. Let's talk about it for just a minute. We put it up at the end of our lesson each Sunday. Typically we'll do it again in just a moment. But so much of the gospel plan of salvation makes sense. What about hearing? We say a person says, well, you can't believe what you don't hear. How can you know something unless you've heard it in one way or the other? We sometimes say that in regards to a person just reading. That's sort of hearing in a sense. So you don't actually, actually always have to hear it by your ears, but you can read it and hear it in that regard. But you can't believe something you've never heard. We think about that leads us then, of course, to believing, to faith. Leads us to changing our mind. You know, if we really believe something, then we're going to change our mind. We're going to change our lives. And in fact, not only that, but think about confession. A person says, well, if I believe something with all my heart, I'm going to confess it to others. 
I'm going to confess the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell people all about it. So all of these things are moral commands, we might say. They make good sense. I understand that I have to hear. And I think that if I believe in something, I'm, I'm going to want to change my mind to follow in that. Not only that, but I'm going to want to share it in a sense. I'm going to want to confess it before other people. So hearing, believing, repenting, confessing, all of those we might say are moral commands that just make good sense. But there's that part about baptism. There's that part about baptism that so many people get to that point and they say, well, you know, it doesn't make sense to me. Is there something in the water? Is that what it is? Why do we have to be baptized? Because that doesn't make sense. Somebody else says, well, that's works salvation. That's works salvation there. So that, that doesn't make sense to me. Maybe you've even sat down with somebody and you've studied to the point and you get all the way to baptism. They say, well, I just don't get it. I don't think that's part of it. I know somebody else who's preached differently than that. And that's not it. So sometimes to some people, baptism doesn't make sense. Sense. Now, there is a sense, I think, in which, you know, Romans chapter 6, it talks about being buried with Christ. I think it makes some sense a little bit when we talk about that. But some people still just balk at the idea. And they say, I understand the others. I'll believe. I believe in Jesus. I'll confess it before other folks. But that baptism part, it's a little tough. And so we come to this idea of faith only. And the faith only concept really isn't faith at all, based on what we're saying this morning. Because true faith is doing what God said, how God said it, and why God said it. That's what true faith is. That's what obeying arbitrary commands is. Because faith only isn't faith at all. But it's doing what God said, how he said it, and why he said it. Or for the reason that he said to do that. And the truth of the matter is, is that really, more often than not, people simply do what they want. I mean, that's a lot of the problem in the world today. A lot of problem in the world today, period. Certainly a lot of the problem in the world today with the church and the idea that people have, the things that they want to do. They simply think, well, this is what I think is better. Maybe God said that, but maybe we could change it just a little bit to say this. Most people do just what they want. People ask questions sometimes. They say, well, why is baptism for the forgiveness of sins? Some people say, well, why is it that women are not permitted to teach in a mixed audience in the sense that they teach over a man? They can certainly teach, and we appreciate our teachers. But why is it that they can't teach over a man, as the Bible talks about in 1 Timothy chapter 2? 1 Timothy 2, verses 11 through 14. And ultimately, the answer is because God said so. I understand that's not always easy to swallow in our, our minds, it's hard for us to understand and to study that, but sometimes in the Word of God, we do something simply because God said so. I mentioned it before, but I reckon he could have said that we all have to travel to Jerusalem, that we all have to dip in the River Jordan, that we maybe have to do 10 jumping jacks. He could have said anything, I reckon, for us in order to be saved. But he has told us what we need to do in order to be saved. And we need to do what God said, how he said it, and why he said it. For the reason. We've already talked about the plan of salvation, but we think about baptism. You know, one person said one time, Well, preacher, I've got you covered in baptize, baptism. I've been baptized five times. I got you covered, both coming and going. I don't think that's exactly what, what we're trying to say there. You need to do what God said, how He said it, and why He said it, for the reason in which He said it. 
We gave just a couple of examples this morning thinking about baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We even briefly mentioned Paul's teaching on women there in 1 Timothy chapter 2. There are a lot of other things that we could list this morning. There are some laws that simply make good sense. And other times we simply do it because God told us to do it. And why we should do it and how we should do it. And we need to remember that as we think about these things, that God's ways ultimately are not always our ways. But not only that, God's ways are always right. Isaiah chapter 55. In Isaiah 55 verses 6 through 9, the Bible says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. And don't miss here, this is in a salvation context. It's, it's the Old Testament, it's not salvation yet, but in looking forward to Jesus and thinking about God's plan of salvation, it's in a salvation context. The Bible says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, through all of this, we need to remember that God's ways are not always our ways, but they are always right. In Deuteronomy chapter 32 in verse number 4, Deuteronomy 32 in verse 4, the Bible says that his work, God's work, is perfect. And it says later in that passage that just and right is he. That's the God that we serve. That's the God who has given us both the moral laws that we sometimes understand, understand and make a bit more sense to us, but also the arbitrary commands that are also to be followed. We think about Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 25. There is a way that seemeth right to a man. I don't know if you turn on your TV lately, pulled up your social media feed, watched the news, checked out anything, but there are a lot of ways that seem right in the world today. There are a lot of ways that seem right to a man, but what is the end of those ways? The proverb writer says, the wise man says, death. There are a lot of things that we think are good and right, but God's ways are truly above our ways. God's ways are always right. And as we've already talked about this morning from God's simple plan of salvation, there is even part of it that makes sense to us in a way. But what about the arbitrary laws of God? And the question that I would ask you this morning to consider as we conclude this particular sermon Will you totally, will you completely submit to Jesus or only when it makes sense to you? Will you completely give yourself to him? Will you wholly, totally, completely be obedient to him or only when you think it's right? Or only when I think it's right? Because some of it makes sense, but not all of it. I don't know why we have to do this. I don't know why we have to do that. There are many women who would say, well, I don't know why that elders can only be men. I, I don't know why certain things are certain ways. I don't know why the, the Lord's Supper was the way that it was designed, but I know the way it was designed, and I know what we should follow. I don't know why we have to go be dunked in water. There's nothing special about the water. I know what God has said. Will we follow him completely, 
or only when it makes sense to us. You know, God promises rewards. There, there's a lot, of, a lot of good news in the Bible. Because God promises rewards. He also talks about the punishment, but he promises rewards to those who fully obey him. Not partially, but totally, completely. And so each week, we put up here God's simple plan of salvation. So that you could read it, you hopefully begin to learn it, maybe even memorize it a little, you're willing to share it with others. Because this is what God has told us to do. To obtain salvation, to have our sins washed away, to be in Christ where all spiritual blessings are found. Whether all of it or none of it makes sense to you or to me or to the world, this is what God has told us to do. We're thankful for the laws of God, both moral and arbitrary. The question for us is will we follow them? We're especially thankful as Christians, if you're here this morning and you're a child of God already, for God's what we call second law of pardon. Sometimes that we are thankful that once we follow the simple plan of salvation, but we mess up again because we know that we will, that that's not it. We're thankful that God has given us a prescription as well for what we can do when we mess up. Some people would give you a long list of things. Well, you need to do this, this, this. You need to go here. You need to say this. All of these things, and then you'll be okay. God has said you can confess your sins, you can repent and pray, and you will be forgiven. We're thankful for the opportunity this morning to become a child of God or to come back to him. He has given us the commands. It is up to us to fully obey him. Do you need to do that this morning? Are you only doing it partially in your life or have you only done it partially in the past? We're thankful for the song that has been selected that we can encourage you that whether you need to become a Christian, totally and completely obeying him, or whether you need to come back, you can do so even now as we stand together and as we sing.